Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Send them home, Jan. Send them home early, Jan Wachowicz. <laughs> Send them home, Jan. <laughs> Monday, February 17th, 2020, episode 237 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Kenfo, looking good, looking in shape today. Jan <laughs> Bohovic, the forgotten man, right? Don't have your light heavyweight title conversation without talking about Poland's Jan Bohovic. I was on Misha Tate's radio show last week, Ken Flo, and mm. they asked me, you know, what's next? Is it going to be the Reyes rematch? And I still would put that at the forefront of the conversation, and I'm definitely getting ahead of myself, but... Nobody was talking about Jan. They were talking about Corey Anderson, you know, the minus 250 favorite, the much better version of the guy that beat Jan in 2015. And I think people just forgot about Jan Bohovic. And uh, I think big picture off the top, it's just a cruel game, right? And, uh, you know, Corey Anderson paid the price for choosing to stand and trade and try to box with uh, with the powerful pole. And Jan Bohovic rules the day, kid. It certainly is a cruel game, and you know there is nothing better than staying busy in mixed martial arts and finding consistency and getting those wins 
every single time out. And for Jan Bohovic, who um, has been doing just that, this is going to be a huge confidence builder, especially as he gets close to now fighting for this belt. It seemed like John Jones was trying to kind of push the narrative towards, hey, that's my next fight. You know, he almost wants to avoid that Reyes match, which was I, th- I thought was kind of interesting. But yeah, I agree with you. I think Reyes is next, but Bohovic could be a great plan B. And and who knows? Maybe he does uh, jump ahead to the to the front of the line and, and and get this fight against John Jones. But he's doing great. He looked phenomenal. Uh, just a brutal counter shot right down the pipe against Corey Anderson. So I can't say that Jan Bohovic ever had a bout agreement for a light heavyweight championship fight against John Jones, but I know that fight was discussed before Jan fought Jacare Souza, and twice now Jan has put his contender status on the line, and look at the names he's starting to rack up and put on this resume. So he is certainly title shot worthy. That doesn't mean he leapfrogs Dominic Reyes, but with the calendar aligned perfectly for him, Kenny, right? With John Jones fighting a week before and then having this fight in New Mexico, not yeah. far from where John Jones lives and trains, it was the perfect storm. And as I've said repeatedly about John Jones, strategically, there are times where he'll be that super active champion for you and headline a pay-per-view twice in three months, right? And I do think that if health is not an issue, uh, strategically, this would be a good quick turn for Johnny Bones if maybe Dominic Reyes wasn't ready, you know? It's what every fighter wants. And again, you know, you put it in the context of him being in the main event, John Jones right there to witness it all front and center uh, and getting a first round round knockout. It doesn't get better than that. All right. Well, we don't want to keep Ray Longo waiting. So uh, plenty more on Jan Bohovic over the next 45 minutes or so. And this whole Rio Rancho card. What a what a crazy night. Uh, it wasn't crazy, though, for Ray Longo. It was just productive. Let's get to the uh, to the Ray Longo minute. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, the train is leaving the station. If you want on the Marab Dwalish Willie bandwagon, you better get on there soon because this kid could be 5-0 and in the UFC. Fought a really tough Casey Kenny. You got to be pretty over the moon with that performance, I would think, over the weekend, man. Congrats. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you very much. It's always it's always so much better doing this show on a win than it is yeah. on a horse. So this yeah. feels great. Again, he's a great kid. Um and uh and Casey Kenny was a really tough opponent. You know, we knew it wasn't gonna be easy. It was a, definitely a competitive fight. You know, I think towards the end Marabi just doesn't stop and he keeps going. But more importantly, I like what you said at the beginning. I mean, I, I love the way the universe corrects itself because two losses that I thought he shouldn't have had, and uh, and this is the way it works, man. I think uh, it's coming back, and he's looking good. He's three and zero, three wins in a row now, and he should be five and zero. Uh, and you know, to that, I'll tell you a quick story before we get going with some of the questions. But we're in the dressing room, and the ref comes in. He's you know going over the rules. He's a new guy; never seen him. He's from. Uh, New Mexico, and he gets done. We're on the old rules, you know, the same stuff that they go through. You have any right. questions? And Marab says to him, uh, "Yes, I, I just want to let you know I'm willing to die in there, and if I'm in a bad <laughs> position, please, please don't stop." Now he's looking at this guy. The kid's a young kid. I'm looking at the ref, trying to listen to him. It's kind of like broken English, and he's like, "You know, <laughs> I've been in bad positions before where they said I was out and I wasn't out. So if you can, I have no problem dying." Just let the fight go on. I'll be okay. And And Marab means that. You got to love this guy. He means it. Yeah. 
I love oh, it. Oh, he means oh, there's no question about it. He means yeah. Well, if some of our listeners don't know about what happened in Marab's fight against Ricky Simone, hop on that UFC fight pass there and uh, just watch the end of that fight. But, Ray, yeah, in terms of the universe correcting itself, you know, Marab is going to correct all of this on his own. And for people who don't know maybe how special this kid is, right? Like when, when Chris Weidman walked into your gym, when you guys first aligned, everybody says, you know, they knew he was special, right? And I'm not suggesting right. that Marab is a future champion, right? But... He's got a lot of the intangibles. He's smiling. He's throwing the spinning stuff, uh, cardio for days. Um, you know, what makes this kid tick? What makes him so special in yeah. your mind? Yeah, well, first of all, the, the, you bring up a good point, but Weidman was a different animal altogether. Weidman, when he walked in the gym, was just, he was an elite guy at the top level that nobody could touch in the gym. Matter of fact, most gyms, nobody could touch him at that time. Marab came in, Aljo would torture this kid with the wrestling. I mean, Marab took his, his lumps. He was always, you know, tough and gritty. But, man, did he learn how to wrestle. I mean, he, this is a guy that corrected all his mistakes. He's got losses. But all of those right. losses would never happen today because whatever he lost, he was a great example about, you know, win or, you know, win or learn or whatever the thing is. He would go back. He lost the fight because of wrestling. He made it his case to, to wrestle. And I was talking to uh, uh, the, one of the guys at the gym, Jamie Franco. He's a coach at Hofstra. And he said what amazes him more is that he never wrestled. He's got no wrestling credentials. But mm -hmm. he really put the time in. And, you know, it's thanks to Aljo and Aya Quinter and the rest of the guys. They just work so well together that, you know, like, again, if he would have lost this fight, whatever he lost on, uh, he's coming out. He's not getting down. 100% never got down. Even with the Ricky Simone thing, I was like, I remember going to him, uh, Marab, am I more pissed off than you? I didn't even get it. Like, and he goes, right, what can I do? They made the call. You got to move on. I mean, that's why I say he's really even helped me as a coach because I'd get too emotional and he just really had the right way of looking at it. You know, so that was the difference. Marab made the corrections while he was coming up the ranks. If he lost, it was never going to happen again that way. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about him. And just an infectious personality when you meet him. You know, he's just a great kid. And yeah. I say this in all due respect. Any immigrant coming into this country should follow Marab's way of doing things. Because, man, is he, he could win your heart over. And, again, if I was to immigrate to another country, I want to do what Marab did coming here. I'm not, yeah. I'm not slanting anybody like that. I'm just saying what a, a great example of a human being this kid is. Yeah. No, and he, he, he truly lights up the room. There's no uh, doubt about it. And, uh, hey, man, you know, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Aljamain Sterling every day is a huge feather in his cap. And you got to think if you're not getting better, you're, you're not you're probably getting worse, and he's certainly not getting worse. You know, this is a, a big win. I know Casey Kenny's undersized, but uh, again, you got to feel pretty good about it. it. Took 237 episodes, by the way, for Jamie Franco to get a Franco to get a, a shout out, and then we butcher his name. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so did you stick around for Jan Bohovic, or did you just get out of there after after Marab's brilliance? You know, only because I had to get a six o'clock in the morning flight. Even though it was early, I just wanted to make sure I because I, I have another. I got three guys fighting this weekend in Atlantic City, so I had to make sure I was somewhat you know normal. So I did get out right. of it, but I did see the fight, and what a fantastic turn of events for that guy. I mean, against a guy who I thought was finding his groove. And I thought he was going to do the same thing to him that he did in the first fight. So hats off to right. 
to Jan, he really landed a perfect counter and followed it up with a vicious shot. You Do you root for these tri-state area guys like Corey Anderson or not necessarily just because of the region? Not always. No, I'm not, no, I'm not guy. If you're in the region, I'm rooting yeah. for Yeah. Because he's kind of a Midwestern guy, worst, but I guess I'm he's... the worst handicapper out there, John. I just go with yeah. who I like, and I don't <laughs> right. even look into it. Right. Well, uh, well, we're excited for Marab. We're excited for you. Uh, if he gets cut, we know he'll just glue it together himself and keep training, and, and we love him for it. Um, all right, man, unless you got anything else, we'll let you fly. You got any predictions for us? Paul Felder, Dan Hooker, hell of a, hell of a main event coming up here Saturday. I got to tell you, really excited for this fight. I mean, yeah. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Felder. I just think he's, I don't know, he's he's tough, man. He's a hard out for anybody. I, the fact that he's going over to to New Zealand is, you know, hats off to him. But I hope that doesn't have any effect on the fight. It's really a tough thing to do for these guys to travel, and vice versa. When they come here, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think he's got that going against him. But everything else being equal, I got to pick Felder on that. All right, man. We'll see how it plays out. Well, uh, congrats. Send our best to uh, to Marab and Aljo and the rest, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll talk to you then. See you, Ray. Congrats, man. Ray Longo. Team Marab getting it done against a very tough out in Casey Kenny. 30-25 to 25 on one of these scorecards, Ken wow. Flo, by the way. You got a 29-28 and a 30-25. to 25. We're going to leave those... Judges alone, though, this week. Going to leave those alone. So, uh, so Corey Anderson is the other side of this main event. And certainly, John Jones being in the building adds an element to this because Corey Anderson at one point approached John Jones at a promotional gig and there was some friction there. And it's hard because when you don't get the championship opportunity, when you think your resume is worthy of it, and then you absorb a loss like this, I know you hate sometimes when I say, oh, it's like a two-year setback, but dude, this is a two-year setback for Corey Anderson, right? And again, I thought he looked pretty good on the feet at times, um, but some people would suggest that uh, in this matchup, he should have tried to wrestle early, and uh, obviously he paid it paid a dear price with his contendership in a lot of respects. It makes it um, even more difficult, the fact that he did have some wars with John Jones. I mean, John Jones was uh, probably the happiest guy in the building when Corey Anderson lost. Uh, he seemed to kind of revel in it. Uh, so I felt bad bad for Corey there. He's been working extremely hard. Obviously, that's what he's kind of known for is his work ethic. I think, you know, he really wasn't disguising what he wanted to do. And I think it was Bohovich who really adjusted uh, better uh, ended up catching him uh, early. Anderson was staying really busy, um, and Bohovich wasn't throwing a whole lot. It seemed like he was kind of analyzing, figuring out what was going on. And in the end, it was Bohovich who really caught Anderson as he was moving forward. Um, I, I don't think Anderson was uh, really disguising it very well. He wasn't fainting his way in as much as he should have. Didn't get his head off the center line. Was right there, uh, you know, exposed. And it was Bohovich who landed that big shot right down the middle. Uh, caught him uh, really badly, and that hammer sh- that hammer fist man was just unbelievable. Very very powerful shot there that took him out, um, and, and it was tough to see, man. But Bohovich is a guy who's been working very hard as well, and certainly deserved the win. 
So Odd Shark posted some odds. This was prior to the Blahovich anderson rematch. Some odds as to who would be John Jones' next opponent, I mm. think, courtesy of Bet Online. So Corey Anderson was the betting favorite to be John Jones' next opponent. Oh, wow. Prior to that fight. Then Jan Blahovich at plus 275. Anderson was minus 125. Blahovich plus 275. And then Dominic Reyes plus 350. Stipe at plus 800. On and on it goes, right? I thought for sure it was going to be the Reyes rematch, depending on... On health, and that's why when I saw Dominic Reyes plus three fifty, I thought, man, they're they're going to make this rematch in six mm-hmm. months. But look how good John Jones looked physically right a week after right. his fight. Certainly, there have been times seven days after a fight where he's not walking around and super mobile and you know yep. engaging with fans. So the fact that he attended this event, I think, is very encouraging from a health standpoint. Jan barely fought. Again, pay-per-views need headliners, Ken Flo. I would not be surprised in the least if we see Jones and Blahovich here in three months or so. I, I do believe Reyes is still the number one contender, whether he has that number one next to his name or not. Um, but, hey, man, you know, I really think Jan Blahovich, who didn't get the title fight before, has a great chance to get it now. Yeah, listen, I, I think that the only uh, people who could put the brakes on this would be perhaps John Jones's coaches or his management um, but as far as you know, the time and the turnaround, it does make sense for a quick fight. I don't know if Reyes is going to be ready for you know a two or three month turnaround at this right. point. So maybe Blahovich sneaks in there and, and gets this fight against uh, John Jones, and they kind of uh, push back this Reyes rematch and and maybe make it even a, a bigger fight later on. I do think for John Jones, in terms of his legacy. Volume is part of it, right? He has broken George St. Pierre's record, but I do think that as many title defenses as he can accrue as possible, that is a part of the end game. Not only does he realize the payday, whatever show money that comes with a title defense and pay-per-view points, and I'm sure he's getting a, a huge show money, but go ahead. Yeah, no, and I was going to say, I, I do think we see a better John Jones when he's consistent in there. I, right. I think the more active that John Jones is in there, he's a guy who really goes off of rhythm, uh, you know, who needs to stay in the gym all the time. And I think him being active, I, I think, is going to help him in his performances. So prior to the Reyes fight, you know, he fought three times in six or seven months. You know, he fought December uh, and then he fought March, July. So that was sort of, you know, Conor McGregor talks about this fighting season. We were hearing a lot about that from John Jones in December of 2018. All right. So we'll see what happens. But the light heavyweight division, all of a sudden, wicked interesting for those people that thought John Jones had one foot out the door to heavyweight as much as he wants that steep A matchup yesterday. Uh, there's now all of a sudden two very worthy 205-pound contenders, uh, and one is a fresh matchup in Jan Blachowicz. All right, so April 9th, I think it was, 2005, Kenny Florian fights Diego Sanchez in the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 final. One uh, of my best 185 pounds, 185 pounds. We got some real good Team Florian stuff later in the podcast today that I prepared, by the way. So Diego Sanchez, a winner by disqualification against Michelle Pereira. So Pereira dominating the fight, an illegal knee late. Jason Herzog, the referee, did an outstanding job. Diego asked him at one point, if if I don't continue, will I get the DQ win? The answer is yes, but Jason Herzog did not verbally give him that answer. There are so many different angles to all of this. I will start from a sports betting perspective and why there is no such thing as a sure thing. A lot of handicappers texting me, Michelle Pereira, minus 160, daughter's preschool account what a daughter's college tuition on michelle Pereira, right look pretty good at that third round but all of a sudden a legal knee and he gets the dq 
So don't bet on mixed martial arts. You got to be real careful with big money betting on MMA because anything can happen. It is the land of the unpredictable. So I'll start there. For Pareda betters, I, I feel bad for you, but he's a wild man, so I kind of don't. Um, right. Your thoughts on Diego taking the DQ and everything that uh, sort of encapsulated those final few moments of this one, kid. Second illegal knee of the night, by the way. Um, you know, I, listen, I think this is uh, the emotions getting the better of Pereira here. He was on his way to a pretty easy and clear unanimous decision against Diego Sanchez. And I, I don't know if he was frustrated that he couldn't put him away or whatever the heck the deal was. Um, you know, it was a, it was a clear illegal knee right to the head. Um, and Diego Sanchez clearly benefited from this. I, I think a couple things, right? Uh, this is a tough one for me because as a fighter, as a fan, as a coach, whatever it is, you should always defer to the fighter. The fighter knows best and, and a seasoned veteran and one of the toughest guys to ever compete inside the octagon is Diego Sanchez. And I think you, you kind of need to trust him a little bit on that, whether he was hurt, but some of the back and forth between him and Jason Herzog, I think that's what makes it a little bit... Um, you know, discussion worthy, I guess, or controversial because he was definitely getting a feel for, wait a sec. So you're telling me it was an illegal blow. And if they stop the fight, yeah. I win. Huh? Yeah, right. Interesting. Okay. Is my coach around? Can I talk to my coach? Right, you know, right. so it was like the back and forth is kind of what made it a little bit, um, you know, titillating, I guess, uh, yeah, if you yeah, will, or tantalizing, uh, you know, I, I think, um, Diego was getting beat. I think he realized he was taking a lot of punishment in that fight. Um, but at the end of the day, an illegal shot to the head is an illegal shot. And and those aren't easy to take. Those will mess you up. You see the one that happened earlier in the night. The guy could barely get up. I think it was Weaver uh, who could yeah. barely get back to his feet. He didn't even know that he got hit with an illegal strike. And Diego Sanchez kind of said the same thing. He's like, was that illegal? He didn't even really remember. So... Again, for a guy who's been in a lot of fights and a lot of wars, yeah. I'm going to defer to the veteran Diego Sanchez that he was hurt. It's just the the, the back and forth, the discussion, the discussion right. with Jason Herzog, right. which made it a little bit interesting. And Herzog, to his credit, what an amazing job he's been doing, by the way, as a referee. So many yeah. times, you know, we talk about this all the time. We criticize referees. Herzog really has been killing it in there and been very con consistent uh, as a referee. So not unlike Jones Reyes, there are two sides of this, maybe three sides of this, but there's certainly one group of, pe of people that have been critical of Diego Sanchez for, for taking the win or the easy way out, maybe, as some people would put it. I'm not going to sit here as a non-fighter and try to quantify how hurt or not hurt he was. He certainly had the wherewithal to recognize that he could double his paycheck by taking the DQ, and I would say in some breath power to him, right? Some reports that he makes a hundred grand to show and a hundred to win. You know, he has a daughter. He's going through a divorce. You know, there's a lot of different layers to this. I mean, at that <laughs> right? I mean, come can't on, go through a divorce, leave him alone, people, right? Right? No? I don't know. Obviously, um, but no, I, I hey. It is what it is. Don't fucking bet on Michelle Pareda or against him, right? Because he's a wild card. Yeah, he's fun to watch. The entrance is a little bit much, I guess. I've, I've never called one of his fights, so I don't know how I would handle his uh, his walkout necessarily. Maybe I'd just lay out. 100%. And then I was going to say, no matter what, Michael Pereira, you better not be angry about the situation and the decision of Diego Sanchez. You're yeah. the guy who threw the illegal knee, so you can't be yeah. angry about it. Uh, that is your fault. Diego <laughs> Sanchez... 
whether he's taking advantage of a situation or not, um, it was an illegal blow, period, yeah. to the head. Yeah. And one of the, the hardest strikes you could throw is a knee. Okay, so uh, pretty brutal there. Yeah, no doubt about it. He will, he'll be angry that you called him Michael, maybe, but uh, oh, yeah, I think he'll get over the rest yeah. of it. <laughs> so, uh, but it is crazy, man. Here's Diego Sanchez getting a W in 2020. And, uh, and yeah. dude, how about the peacocking when he, when he walked in the octagon? Did you see that? That was, yeah, I, that was hey, amazing, dude. He is the real article, man. Uh, <laughs> he's just truly one of a kind. His energy is crazy. You know, I was just going into Daniel Cormier's Instagram story, seeing his fighter meeting with Diego. Like, I can't get enough Diego Sanchez content. Almost every time he fights, I go down a Diego Sanchez rabbit hole where I go on his Instagram page for like an hour and just watch these videos. He is must-see television, whatever he's doing. And uh, this weekend, he was winning as much as uh, people don't want to believe that. That's That was a win. All right. We got to spin this thing forward. Might get some thoughts from Ian Parker on Jan Bohovic, but it is time for the pronunciation of the week. We haven't been as consistent with this segment here in 2020, so TJ's only 1-1 one one on the year. Today, Ken Flo, wait till you hear this. Strawweight out of Thailand faces Angela Hill in the third prelim of the night. TJ DeSantis, who are we talking about, kid? What do you have for me? Loma Lobomi. Excuse me? Uh, exactly. Excuse me? That, that is, that is almost assuredly not right. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty guess. sure it's Loma Loma me. <laughs> Maybe it's Loma Look Boon me. Hey, can you play the entirety of the file for us, please? Loma Loon me. Loma Loon me. Loma Loon me. And one very slowly. <clears throat> Loma Loon me. Loon me. Ken Flo, what do you have? Loma Lupon me. So I could have just said Dolphin, daughter of Boon Me, and that would have been 100% correct. Uh, you ever watch Wayne's World? Yeah, of course. You remember the yeah. scene where Wayne and Garth go backstage and Alice Cooper gives them the full history of Milwaukee and it's real. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, here, here's the 2020 MMA version of that right now. Where does the name uh, Loma come from? So her first flight was uh, flight in the uh, city that have the ocean. And it was her first time to see the ocean. And someone told me that, so you can be like a Loma. Loma in Thai means dolphin. Lubunmi is her daddy, her father's okay, name. Okay, got it. So so Luke, it means uh, daughter okay. or, or son. Wow. Got it. Like, yes. Got so it. Her, her dad named Bunmi. So I still don't know how to say it, but I know the origin story. TJ, you fucking legend for going into the audio archive. So for yeah. the listeners that don't know, that is from one of her Invicta FC fights that you presumably called. So, uh, yeah, no excuses to not get this name correct. But I just gives you a little bit of insight into what we're dealing with as announcers when all of a sudden, all right, I'm about to voice over her combo feature for the fight. Let me click on the audio file. And it's like, oh, okay. So then, obviously, there's a step that comes after that audio file if I open it up, and it's not wholly decipherable. Kemflo, do you have anything? I have one more pronunciation. <laughs> Kemflo's looking at me like I'm still trying to. The first two times, you can't even you can't even replicate that. I mean, how do you think? Thank God they asked her to do it slowly this the third time around. But even then, it's I, I don't know. I don't know. I me. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> wow! So we we after the combo was read on the broadcast at Invicta, we just went with Loma because that was that's a safe <laughs> yeah. bet. 
Yeah, yeah, well, we'll see uh, how they uh, get into it this weekend on the UFC telecast. But uh, So we have one bonus name today. TJ, we're giving you, yeah, you're 2-1 for sure. You should probably be 3-1 for going into the archives. Uh, we got a bonus name uh, in the women's flyweight division. She faces Shauna Dobson, first fight of the night. I just want to hear the beauty of this Brazilian Portuguese. Can you just play the file, TJ? Priscila Cachoeira. Priscila Cachoeira. 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 Like Cachoeira. a fucking cashew, right? Cachoeira. <laughs> Maybe not. Cachoeira. All right. Those are your pronunciations. Great job, TJ, as always. Uh, let's make some picks. It is UFC Fight Night. Felder versus Hooker. Your men on the marquee. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, probably should have had Ken Flo take this one. We got some breaking news. This important PSA brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. New trimmer just released moments ago. We are the first to confirm the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping trimmer now available for purchase. Third generation, by the way, the Manscaped trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Skin safe technology going to save millions of balls before all is said and done. I got to tell our Anakin Florian podcast listeners, Flo, Annie, and I fully endorse this product. The ceramic blade is all you need to know in this 60-second commercial spot, right? The LED light is great, but the ceramic blade has changed my life, right? You take care of business a lot more quickly, a lot more efficiently. I guarantee it'll do the same for you. Also, the battery lasts forever, like 90 minutes. Uh, if that's not enough to shave your groin area, Ian Parker, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, they've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, and you can show off your mower with the charging dock thoughtfully designed stand powered by usb truly a premium product top to bottom the lawnmower 3.0 and we're giving you 20 percent off get 20 percent off and free shipping anything you want the code is af at manscape.com 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code af manscape.com promo code af for 20 percent off with your free shipping as always your balls will thank you and ian parker now joins us live I mean, you are like P1 Manscaped user. You can't endorse this product enough. I mean, we'll give you love 15 seconds on Manscaped before we get into this <laughs> thing if you want. It's so good. Body wash, so good. That ball deodorant is a life changer. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I went to Disney last weekend. No more inner thigh irritation. I'm not walking around waddling like a duck. No pun intended. It wow. really is. Uh, and dude, in that, that total package box, it's like they got that little belt with the clippers, the tweezers, and everything. They really don't sleep on that cologne. Don't sleep on that cologne either. I like that. Wow. I the like it. has been using it. The yeah. beer oh, yeah. smelling super fresh over there. I can smell it from here. No, it's um <laughs> over overall. I will say, you know what? Sometimes when you when these companies come out with like these colognes or these body wash, they're so strong. These, these are like pretty. I'm not just saying that because they they pay us to say it, but really, yeah. it's actually it's actually really good. I've been using the body wash. I love it. And that ball deodorant. I take it everywhere I go. It's yeah, amazing. The kid just does not stop texting me about the ball deodorant. <laughs> 
All right. So uh, before we get into some picks, we were talking about the uh, the Diego Sanchez Michelle Pereira fight, and I know you're shaking your head because I think for a lot of people, they saw Michelle Pereira minus one sixty as easy money. Uh, I got to think that busted up a lot of parlays. Were you on the Pereira side? I would think at some point uh, last weekend. Anyone that has a brain in the MMA world was on <laughs> my side or Pereira's side with that one. Yeah. Listen. I was so impressed with the way he fought, too. He wasn't as wild as usual. He was pretty composed. He wasn't rushing in. He knows Diego's a psycho and can throw crazy stuff at any time. And the fact that he fought smart and as technical as you're going to ever see Pajeda fight, and then for something like that to happen, I don't even know if the knee actually... I don't know if that cut was from that knee. I couldn't see from the angle. But, you know, listen, I'm not Diego. I, I haven't been hit in the head as many times as him. We know he's from somewhere in this universe at this point yeah. in time. Yeah. You know, it just when you, when you hear him say to them if I don't continue do I can I win this and when the doctor cleared him, you know, that felt really weird to me. That wasn't your typical Diego. I thought he was going to be like, "Yo, I'm good, let's go." It just sucks. A guy goes two and a half rounds complete domination and something like that. It wasn't intentional, you know, it just and in the betting world, man, that's rough. Cuz I I thought it was going to end in some sort of draw or they were going to score it based on two and a half rounds. I didn't think they were going to DQ him after that one, you know, incidental shot. To me, that did not did, did not look like the same level as the Vargas Brock Weaver situation, where Weaver was clearly knocked yeah. into a different world. You know, I, I would agree with you that like vintage Diego Sanchez obviously throws down the gauntlet and fights on. But if I told you that he was going through a divorce and has dependence now, like does that change your opinion when potentially it's a six-figure swing for Diego? Uh, not to mention the fact that he has a great chance to go out there and get TKO'd over the final however many seconds, you know? I wonder what his contract's like. I feel like someone like Diego gets a guarantee whether he shows or doesn't show. I just feel like he just doesn't – I just don't see him winning really ever again at this level. You know, and I knew he wasn't even I'm surprised they brought him back to fight this this dangerous guy in New Mexico in his backyard. I get it. Listen, everyone's got a story, everyone's got dependence, but when I when I'm betting on these guys, I'm not doing it based on their life story. You know, I, I just thought, like I said, if it was a shot that really put him out, like Brock Weaver, that was a very clear, like, holy shit, that's illegal. There's no way the fight's gonna continue. It was in the first round. He was out of it. This was towards the end of the fight. I mean, did either one of you guys see if that knee really landed clean on Diego? If it did, you know, I don't know. For the third week in a row, Ian Parker just ignores protocol and doesn't understand how mixed martial arts works. What is he? What is this fucking floating head talking about? I understand how it works. I'm being given okay. my opinion, guy. Okay. Take it easy. Can well, you wait to the end of the show? No. Please wait to the end of the show. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Please wait like, to the end of the show. It's not. I'm it's so not, tired. It's not an opinion. It's now. it's law. You have to follow the rules, Ian. Do you, oh, do you know man. when you go to a technical right. decision and when I, you don't? Explain uh, it to me. I'm I'm all ears. So I, I you guys need your own show. Cool. We don't. Oh, I I've tried. No <laughs> I've um, tried. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? Is uh, <laughs> he's he's tried. He, he's he, he's nice to me off camera. It's okay. Um, long story short, it just for a guy like Pajeda, I hope they don't treat that for him as a real loss because I was really impressed with his performance, regardless how it ended. Jason Herzog, you should not have said what you said though out loud because we all heard you. And you fucked up my bet. All right, <laughs> let's make some picks, shall we? Uh, Team Panic <laughs> has the lead, nineteen to fourteen. UFC Roadshow hits Auckland, New Zealand this weekend. The show is wall to wall on ESPN Plus. UFC Fight Night: Felder v. Hooker. 
Got five main card picks for you today. That includes the main card opener in the featherweight division. Kevin Aguilar, minus 125, the favorite here against Zubera Tahugav, who comes back at plus 105. Ian Parker, we will start with you. You have the lead. You have the floor. Who you got here, Kit? This is um, this. – I've been going back and forth on this one. This is a really tough fight. Aguilar has looked – you know, his striking, I think, will have the advantage here. I just think – I'm going to call him Zuba. I know he goes by that in the nickname, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce that cool. entire name on his end. Cool. But I think Zuba. I think Zuba's wrestling is going to be what gets him the win here. I think in an underdog spot, there is some value. I think if he stands in, in trades – uh, it's not going to be pretty. However, I think there's a distinct difference with the ground game, his wrestling, his level of control. And I think that's what gets it done here. So I'm going with the underdog. I'm going Zuba. All right, Aguilar coming off Dana White's contender series. Ken Flo, pretty good in the UFC. The only loss in the octagon to Dan Ige. Tahugov had that bout of inactivity that ended in Abu Dhabi earlier, uh, actually later in 2019. What do you think? Pretty close fight on paper. You going Aguilar or uh, Zubera Tahugov? Um, it, it is a pretty close fight on paper. Um, I, I like the Angel of Death. Uh, I like his nickname. Uh, I, I do think he's going to find a way to keep this fight on the feet. And I think the nastier the fight gets, the better Aguilar gets, I think. And um, if he can keep this on the feet, I think he's got the power. I think he has the conditioning to pull off the win here. This name fucks me up because it's Jessica Aguilar, but it's Kevin Aguilar. So I'm sorry huh. that I'm pronouncing it three different ways today. That's just shit to see. That doesn't make Still sense. Don't understand. Yeah. All right. And lightweight. How about this one, Ian? Magomed Mustafayev, slightly favored here, minus 135. Taking on City Kickboxing's Brad Riddell, who is plus 115. So not unlike the guy we were just talking about, Tahuga Mustafayev, just one start since 2016. There was an arm injury, and that was part of the reason for the uh, extended hiatus. But he is 3-1 and one in the UFC, only lost to Kevin Lee. Uh, what do you think about him here? The Dagestan-born Mustafayev taking on the 7-1 and one Brad Riddell. Mustafayev is a very tough guy. I mean, to fight Kevin Lee that earlier, you know, and Kevin Lee's no slouch, obviously. And Riddell showed us in his last fight he can deliver it, he can take it. I mean, that was a hell of a war. I just don't know if Riddell is going to be able to. I mean, oh man, Mustafa is going to take this fight to the ground if he wants to. He's got the power on the feet. So, I, as much as I would like to go with the uh, city kickboxing home home dog here, I'm going to go with Mustafa here. I just think that he's. I just think he's a beast. I think he's underrated the division. His lack of activity does throw me off a little bit, but. Riddell fought someone last time out. I forgot his name. Forgive me, but the the level of competition that that guy fought right. what kind of throws me off here with this matchup. I'm surprised the odds are actually this close. I think Mustafayev is a steal here as the favorite, so I'm going that, that way. That last guy was Jamie Malaki. That's how we Thank pronounce you, boss, and we Malachi. pronounce it Jamie Malaki. That was like a rivalry fight, Kenny, for Brad Riddell against Jamie Malaki. There was a lot of heat. Yeah, I don't know if bad blood, but there was some friction there. Uh, a lot of pressure always, and I think Riddell is a guy who kind of rises to it. Certainly a hard guy who's – I think it's hard to out-heart him, you know, good yeah. cardio, good team. What do you think about him against Mustafaev? Uh, well, that finish against Malarkey, the, the end of that fight was just crazy. Um, and, and you're right. I think that was the difference, the heart of Riddell. I think Riddell can win this fight. I just think that Mustafaev, with his footwork, with his spinning attacks um, and his solid striking and, um, you know, as Ian said, his wrestling, I think he's got more ways to win. I, I think that uh, Mustafaev probably matches the toughness of Riddell. 
Um, I think it's going to be a barn burner while it lasts, but uh, I like Mustafayev here as well. Yeah, hell of a fight there at uh, yeah. at lightweight. All right, heavyweight. Ken Flo will lead with you here. Marcos Rogerio de Lima, minus 145. Ben Sassoli, plus 125. So Sassoli had a lot of things working against him in that UFC debut against Greg Hardy. He had his best friend fighting for his life. Um, and then, of course, that fight, you may recall, went the distance. Loss for Sassoli overturned to a no contest because yep. Greg Hardy used that inhaler in between rounds. Uh, Ken Flo, Sassoli should be ready to go here. Home game of sorts. Grew up in South Auckland, New Zealand, even though I think he's in Melbourne now. Uh, full camp for Sassoli. How do you see him faring against uh, the veteran Peza? Uh, Sassoli's uh, tough as hell. You know, this is a guy who can really take a shot. Um, you know, if there's one guy who can maybe knock him out, maybe it's uh, Marcus Rogério de Lima, but I just don't see it happening. I, I think for Sassoli, though, he's got to take this fight to the ground. You look at uh, Marcus Rogério de Lima and the fights that he's lost, they're all on the mat, uh, which is interesting since he's Brazilian. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I just think I think he's too weak on the ground. I, I think Sassoli needs to mix it up, try to get this fight to the mat, um, and, you know, mix things up with the striking enough to try to look for a takedown. But I don't think he should just um, look to try to knock out someone like Marcus Ruggieri de Lima. Ken Flo likes combat wombat. Ben Sassoli, plus 125. So, Ian, Rogerio uh, de Lima... 10th UFC appearance for him. He's been out a year since a loss to Stefan Struve. Has been susceptible, certainly, to the submission in the past. Hasn't won two straight since 2014. Here he's trying to start a new winning streak against Sassoli, and he's the favorite. What do you think? Uh, I think Flo took the words. I mean, he beat me to the punch right there. It's it's spot on. If you look at Lima's uh, his track record, every fight that he's pretty much lost, the easier ones that have ended quickly have been to submission. So there is a definitely a direct uh, path to victory for uh, the Combat Wombat. What a phenomenal nickname. So good. John, did you, did you come up with that? Is that like the backyard? No. She no. dead? No. That, that the King of Kenosha? No. The King yeah. of Kenosha? Yeah. I wish you did. I wish you did. We well, could do Anakin Florian Wombat Combat shirts in no time. Well, but, uh, Paul Felder, right? Like, I, I've been trying to get this iron lung thing to stick because he had that lung issue for the James Vick fight and fought through that lung issue. The Irish Dragon. I mean, the Irish Dragon. Like, what are we doing with the Irish Dragon? Right? The iron lung, Paul Felder. Right? What are we trying to do here, Paul? You know? But as as yet, he won't change it. But anyway, uh, it sounds like you're picking Ben Sassoli. Is that right? I. I think Ben Tassoli is tough enough, and he's got the chin to take the power of Lima. I think if he fights this smart, he can test out. You know, he's going to be—he's not going to be on the uh, the good end of the range here. Lima's going to have good range, but as we saw, Tassoli can still get inside. To Kenny's point, though, he's got to take this fight to the ground, which I think he will, and it'll be an easy win. Um, I'm going to go Tassoli also. I just, man, that combat wombat. I just—I I can't say no to that. It's so good. I actually remind of him in a strange way, you know. You both look like you can crack with your beards and everything else. We got to move along, though, because uh, there's a co-main event that you can see on ESPN Plus, incidentally, Saturday night in the States, Sunday in New Zealand. Light heavyweight division, Jimmy Crute, plus 125, the dog here. He'll try to rally back from his first professional loss, Ian Parker. That came when he was submitted by Misha Serkunov, that Peruvian necktie back in September in Vancouver. Here he will face the minus-145 favorite, Michal Oleksijuk. And you want to talk about Polish power. This guy is Polish power personified. Uh, what do you think about the co I love, you know, oh, man, 
that last fight, Jimmy Crew, I think we both picked him against Misha Serkinov. We thought the athleticism was going to be there. He'd have the striking edge. And when he got to the ground, he didn't look terrible, but he gave up positions that even in the dominant ones against a guy like Serkinov, you got to know better than that. You're in Serkinov's world. Even I believe he's a black belt. You just don't want to go there. This is a fight for Crew where if he doesn't get this fight to the ground, he's going to get knocked the fuck out very, very fast. The king is powerful. He puts pressure on you. And Crew does not fight well backing up. Uh, that last fight against OSP, you know, it showed us that obviously the ground, you know, the ground game was lacking, but I don't think Crute is a level of OSP yet. I think one day he'll get there. I'm going with the King by knockout in the first round. Whoo. Oleg Shajic. bringing the heat. Trying to pronounce it right. Round one. TKO. Ken Flo, Jimmy Crute, still a young man, 22, 23 years old, fourth fight in 14 months on the roster, staying busy, and he was not blind to the fact that eventually he was going to lose. Maybe it happened sooner than he expected it to, but again, I, I like his his sponge-like willingness to take in knowledge and to train. He seems to have handled the loss pretty well. Your thoughts on Crute trying to bounce back here against Mikhail Oleksajic? Oleksajic. Um, I, I do... Um I do think he's the, the better striker for sure. Um, I think he's tough as nails. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a guy who is going to offer up a lot of offense, though, if he does get taken down by Jimmy Crute. Uh, I, I think for, for Jimmy in his fight against uh, Sirkinov, I, I do think there was just the, this kind of mental block where he kind of froze. Um, and as a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt himself, I, I don't think it showed a whole lot of composure, unfortunately. But I, I do like him in this fight. I, I actually am going to take him uh, by submission uh, over the Polish fighter uh, in round two. Woo! Ken Flo on the Jimmy Cook train. Round two submission. All right. Main event. And a killer main event it is between Paul Felder and Dan Hooker. First headlining spot for both guys. Now, we teased that we had some Team Florian stuff later in the podcast. Now is that time. Ian, do you know how many main events Kenny Florian took part in in the UFC? <laughs> I don't even know. All right. I'll set I, I, a total. I will tell you, though, I won a lot of money on Kenny, especially that fight with, with, with Guida. Thank you, Kenny. <laughs> yeah. Good dear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember the last time I bet on him was against Roger Huerta. I think it was uh, UFC 87. Brock Lesnar fought that. And it was actually the first UFC event I saw live. But hey, hey hang on. Hang on. In Minneapolis, under, no less. Minneapolis, yes. Minnesota, TJ. Right. Over under four and a half main events for Kenny Florian. Ian, you going over under four and a half. I'm going to go over. Five UFC main events for Kenny Florian. I wow. think he probably thought it was four. So you had the Ultimate Fighter 3 finale against Sam Stout in 2006 yes. was your first yes. main event. Dean Thomas in 2007. Spencer Fisher out. Ken Flo in. 2-0 and in UFC main events at that point in time. Joe right. Lozon, 2008. Who can forget, right? I mean, Lozon still recovered from that ground and pound in 2008. <laughs> so that moved Ken Flo to 3-0 and in UFC headlining spots. UFC 101, when you fought BJ Penn. So Anderson Silva fought that night in a non-title fight. So you were the main event. Is See you, accurate? See you, Anderson Silva. <laughs> Is that, that's yeah. correct, right? <laughs> the flow. <laughs> yeah. And that's then uh, Takanori Gomi in North Carolina in 2010 bringing Kenny Florian's record in UFC main events to four and one. Uh, Co-main has main in it, so we can open it. Yeah. Well, you're, you're missing yeah. one, too, I think. Uh, 
UFC 73, I think Kenny Florian was the last one who fought that night when he took on Alvin Robinson. Again, Anderson Silva got the bottom spot. Yep. That was wow. the, one of the only times that uh, a fight has gone on after the main event. So I was the last fight of the night. The TJ's right. TJ, you got a good memory, buddy. Well, but I that's, mean, that's yeah. not a main event. Is that right, TJ? Well, I, mean, I know he was the last are, to walk. Are, are you not the main event when you're the last one to go out on television? Yeah. I think that's so. Good. That's good. That's good, TJ. You're right. It's so funny uh, going back and looking at some of these uh, and seeing like these three fight main cards, right? I'm like, why couldn't I have been a broadcaster at that point in time with the three fight main card instead of the six fight, three hour and 45 minute main card after the six hours of prelims that precede it? You know, it's a different era. That's I think pe- the people should know that from UFC 73 to UFC 101, Florian was a much bigger star than Anderson Silva. It just, it's just further proof that, that yeah. people. Facts. Facts. Uh, I, I literally had a radio show that argued why it would be better for the UFC if Nate Marquardt beat Anderson Silva for business. <laughs> oh, wow, man. Wow. Yeah. TJ's, TJ's been around. All right. So Dan Hooker right now entrenched as the minus 140 or so betting favorite. Paul Felder plus 120. Uh, as always, we will need the round and the method of victory. Kenny, I just want to set something up here on Paul Felder. I threw out a tweet earlier. When you look at at the career, right, only four losses for Paul Felder, 81% winning percentage. The four losses, Edson Barboza, unanimous decision in 2015. He avenged that one last year. Split to Ross Pearson that same year. He got the cut against Francisco Trinaldo in 2016. That's the only time he's been finished. And then the split decision lost to Platinum Mike Perry up at welterweight in 2018 that easily could have gone his way. So he doesn't necessarily have that signature win. I mean, the Barboza win is a top five win. So that's his signature win. But I do think when you look at the body of work, he's been a very difficult guy to beat. He's the underdog this weekend. Dan Hooker's on a tear as well. Who do you have in the main event? I'm starting on this one. Yeah, we're going to lead with you this week. Okay, cool. No, no problem. Um, you know, listen, I, I think Felder is really tough, and, and he's just a huge 155-pounder. And, and, you know, for Hooker, I, I think if there's going to be a finish, I, I like Dan Hooker to get it. I, I think that um, he's got trickier weapons. Felder um, is is the more consistent performer as far as putting it all together. He makes good uh, adjustments during a fight for the most part. Um, I don't like the fact that he has to travel all the way to New Zealand. He's in uh, enemy territory there with Hooker, and I think Hooker is definitely going to be motivated to get a win there. Um, he realized this is a huge fight. This is a fight that he's asked for, and um, I-, I like Dan Hooker in this one. I don't think he gets the finish. I do think he gets the decision win over Paul Felder. I, I just think he's going to be able to outpoint him and do enough and, and hurt him. Um, you know, a, a couple times during that fight to, to really make an impact on the judges and get a tough decision win over a tough Paul Felder. Hooker, six wins since June of 2017, 71% winning percentage. It's amazing to see his frame now and the muscle that he has added to it. And when you think about him as a featherweight, and he got a lot done in that division as well. But certainly city kickboxing is a hard team to fade right now. Fade means go to the window and, and bet against, right? I think it's a very hard team to fade right now. Paul Felder has been perfect at lightweight since aligning with Duke Rufus. He draws a lot of strength from 
him as his chief corner man. Um, they're also going to weigh in early, I think, in New Zealand, which is another component to this fight as well. Felder did get there way early, but this is a, a big ask, I think, to go into New Zealand and beat Dan Hooker. Uh, your thoughts, Ian Parker, on the main event here now five days away. Yeah, uh, number one, to go back to the whole thing with Kenny being probably the most popular fighter that uh, the <laughs> UFC, more than Anderson Silva, um, Kenny was only minus 155 against Kit Cope. And I just want to say um, thank you, Kenny. That was, <laughs> someone asked me the other day, it was one of the easiest bets I ever had. And I was like, yo, the guy from MTV's True Life is fighting the flow. Um, we're good here. We're, uh, Kenny, please don't kickbox with this guy. And uh you broke his arm twice, and they won. You know, it's it's whatever. Prop bet was under two and a half. You did it for me. Um, I like you're laughing because you know it's true. They probably That's gave funny. you Kit Cope, and you were like, they're giving me Kit Cope. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, you're, you're like, I'll fight next week again. Perfect. Um, I think Kenny pretty much broke it down perfectly here. As much as I want to root for Paul Felder, I think for a guy who's been around as long as he has, he's fought when they asked him to do it. He's taken a lot. I mean, he's taken a lot of damage. Hooker is just, this is the wrong time for Paul, I think, to be fighting Dan Hooker in his backyard. Super confident after a couple of really big wins. And, you know, I haven't seen Felder really be dominant over anyone in the top five. You know, that last fight was could have gone either way. It was a war. And Hooker's been dominantly beating people. So yeah. uh, this, one's good. this one's tough. Um, I, man, I didn't hear what Kenny said, what round he picked. But I think that Hooker wins round two and finished him by TKO. You know, I think... You know, for Felder, he's got to really use this clinch game and get him against the fence and make it ugly. He's got to wear Hooker down. He really does. And maybe even put him on his back if he can, which we haven't seen too much of. But you do see when he is put on his back, you know, you take away that aggression, just that reach. I mean, man, that this this team, City Kickboxing, has been essentially flawless, you know, and in their backyard. And then, Kenny, again, to your point, Paul having to travel all that way. And now you're telling me these early weigh-ins. I like Dan Hooker. Yeah, yeah and, just, and uh, even— can't go against them. And even in the clinch where Paul Felder is mostly bigger than everybody he faces, he's going against a guy in Hooker who is even taller in the clinch, which makes right. it that much more difficult to really execute that game plan. I, I think if he uses the clinch, Felder should definitely try to go to those elbows on the inside and, and, and maybe try to overpower Hooker to see if he can do it that way. But man, if Dan Hooker wins this fight with two undisputed champions under that roof already in Volkanovski and Israel... Adesanya or Adesanya, we're going to figure out exactly how he wants us to pronounce it going forward uh, before his next title defense. But man, Dan Hooker would be on the fast track to lightweight uh, contendership if he can get a win against Paul Felder. It's the main event. Uh, all right, Ian Parker, good stuff. You may not be with us next week. We have the winner of the MMA charity challenge, Nick Contreras, coming on to probably make some picks. But uh, we'll probably find a time because I think the masses want the duck in the show. So We'll probably find a time to, to catch up with you next month. All right. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. You know, after, after I hear I finish fights, I want to hear a little quack action at some point. Maybe yeah. a little Gordon, <laughs> little Gordon Bombay. Yeah. yeah. All right, buddy. Uh, good stuff. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Yeah, dude. You got it. Later, guys. All right. We got to bounce on out of here. Thank you all for listening, for watching. If you have not checked out our new YouTube page, kindly do so. If you subscribe, we'd appreciate it as well on social media. Trying to uptick that stuff as well. It's at Anik Florian Pod on Instagram, on Twitter. All right. So next Monday, we'll see if these guys were right. They were aligned on Dan Hooker. We'll see if Paul Felder can get it done. Uh, either way, we'll recap it for you. And we will also get you primed for the UFC flyweight title fight coming up to close out the month in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, thanks to our producers, TJ DeSantis, Mike Heck on the video side, Ken Flo, Ray Longo, The Duck, John Anik saying so long for now. 
We appreciate every last one of you out there listening. Until next week, be well. Don't text and drive. Yo, later. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who will help build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.